Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Welcome to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. I've learned that you don't do it alone. You learn so many different things from so many different coaches. That's an elite learning environment. Failure is not a problem. How you deal with it is a problem. How to be resilient. How important it is to infuse joy in the process of learning. To be a good coach, you've got to give more than you take. What an interesting life it is to be a leader. Hello and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, and so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us be better leaders. Today's episode is on the topic of being coachable, and we're joined for the discussion by Alistair McCaw, who has just written a terrific book called Habits That Make a Champion. Alistair has, of course, been on the podcast before, and he is that rare individual who excels across industries. In addition to being an author who has sold over 300,000 books, his podcast ranks in the top 1% in the world, and for the last 25 years, he has consulted and worked with Olympic gold medalists, Grand Slam champions, Fortune 500 companies, NCAA colleges, and professional sports teams all over the world. And he'll mention some of those in our discussion today. Some of the highlights in our discussion on being coachable are Alistair's use of the PPTT framework, which he uses to give feedback. His view that a coachable athlete looks, listens, asks, and learns. And like Michael Jordan, they are obsessed with learning more and the importance of learning to be coachable as a child and how this becomes a vital life lesson. I hope you enjoy the interview with Alistair. It's always a pleasure to talk to him. And now on to the topic of on being coachable. You're listening to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. Alistair McCaw, great to see you again and welcome back to the Great Coaches podcast. It's great to be back. Thank you, Paul. Well, we appreciate you making the time. We uh, loved the last discussion around habits that make a champion. And 
We're back today now, of course, to talk about one of the key elements in the book, which is being coachable. But Alistair, before we begin, as always, where are you in the world and what you've been doing so far today? Uh, same place. I'm um, at home here in Florida. Uh, I think between uh, the, the last episode, I was uh, I was in Europe, um, Croatia, uh, Serbia, Zurich, and uh, UK. So that was a really a really good trip. So um, yeah, back home, back home where where the Wi-Fi is stable. So that's uh, hopefully. Uh, so yeah, nice to be here. Alistair, what was happening on that trip? Um, I was visiting one or two football clubs, which I, I actually can't can't mention. Um, so you know, some some clubs, some pl- athletes that you work with prefer to, to stay anonymous, which is understandable. Um, of course, in, in in the professional world as well, it's all about keeping secrets and so on. So I was with two football clubs there, um, and then in Croatia, I was giving a a uh, a seminar uh, in Zagreb, which was was enjoyable. I was actually there two years ago. Um, but yeah, really, really nice to be to the to go to the Baltic countries, and they're really, really you know hungry for for new information. And um, yeah, that was that was really enjoyable. Oh, fantastic! It's uh, I love uh, following along when your trips on social media and seeing some of the amazing organisations that you get to connect with. Um, but today's topic is coachable, and it's the opening chapter of the book: habits that make a champ- champion, and such a good book. Um, so easy to read, such great practical advice and some great wisdom from the people you've met around the world. But I wanted to start by asking, Alistair, was it an easy choice as the first chapter in the book? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in the beginning, um, I probably wrote about 60, 65 uh, chapters for the book and decided to to whittle it down to 50. And then then the, the, the decision and the process of working together with the editor of, of choosing what the the order of each chapter would be as well and um for me coachable was from from the very start was going to be the first one uh because it all starts there it is you know if you're not coachable if you're not willing to learn then there's no point of going on this journey uh if if you're working with someone or or, or training someone coaching someone if they're not willing to be coached uh then there's no there's no there's no point of really really pushing on so that's something that I always like to get clear from from the beginning of working with somebody and and I always try to make it make it really clear as well Paul is that I'm also there to learn as a coach a mentor a leader um I I learn just as much from from the athlete or, or or learn just as much from from the person I'm consulting as they probably learn from me so it's a win-win uh, situation uh, as well but you know it's it's no coincidence because obviously um one of the best NFL uh, football coaches is Bill Belichick who's still at the New England Patriots. And he was, you know, there's a lot of quotes in the book, as you know, uh, Paul. Um, and thank you for your your compliments on the book as well. I really appreciate that, especially you being a, an avid reader and, and reading a lot of books. So that really means a lot. But, you know, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick says that it's not about talent. It's about dependability, consistency, being coachable and understanding what you need to improve. And that's just a quote that I love because it really starts there. And, you know, if you have a look at the relationship he had with uh, Tom Brady at, at at the Patriots, you know, Tom came in very, very raw. Of course, he was the 199th pick, uh, which is just ridiculous if you think about it, because he's gone on to be the GOAT of, of, of NFL, uh, the, one of the great, actually the greatest 
uh, football player of all time. And he was, he was, he almost wasn't drafted. He, he wasn't an athlete. He wasn't, uh, you know, if you have a look at some of his combine uh, videos as well, you can see those on YouTube. He was this tall, lanky guy, uh, very, very slow over the 60 meters. I think he ran like a five point something. And, and, you know, that's way off the mark, but he, the key to Tom Brady was his coachability. And, you know, someone like Bill Belichick was able to obviously work with an athlete like that. And, um, you know, for me, those are the athletes that I, I really have a lot of respect for. And a lot of time were, were the ones that maybe didn't have the most talent, but they were coachable. They made up for it with, with their, their coachability. Was there an event or an experience which shaped your view around the importance of coachability? I think that I think that started when I was very very young. Um, I had some some talent. I, I believe we all have some talent in in some area, um, but I wasn't always the first pick in in you know growing up you know in primary school and high school in terms of it came to to sports. Um, I really had to work hard at getting getting anywhere. I wasn't one of those guys that could uh, just pitch up and always be the best soccer player, rugby player, cricket player, whatever. And, and I think I mentioned this in the last show as well. I played seven or eight sports in, in, in school, which, which I loved. But something I think I picked up very, very early, and this was something that gave me the, the motivation and inspiration to write Champion Minded and, and this book, Habits That Make a Champion, was, you know, um, you might be lacking the talent, but if you're coachable, uh, if you're willing to be uh, the best at the things that require zero talent, and those are things like being coachable, um, uh, pre preparing well, effort, your attitude, time management, all these things, then you will go very far if you're willing to work hard enough. And, uh, you know, there's that great quote as well is that, you know, hard work and a great attitude beats, beats talent. And, you know, I've seen it where uh, athletes I've worked with as well in, in the past where they, they maybe weren't the most talented, but just through being very, very coachable, wanting to learn. Um, you know, I like to call them scholars of, of the sport as well. They would study it. They would watch a lot of videotape. They would uh, ask a lot of questions. These, these were just the coachable athletes that were able just to improve and progress year after year. As where sometimes you can see with the more talented athletes, they really, they flatline it a little bit. They, they get to a certain level and, and, and they stay there. So um, yeah, that's, that, that would definitely have been, um, for me, the start of learning about being coachable of how important it was at a young age. Also something um, I really believe in, Paul, is, is, you know, and I speak to, I get to speak to a lot of parents and seminars, um, you know, and, and clubs and academies and so on, is, is that coachability starts at a very young age. It actually starts in the family of, um, you know, teaching your, your kids to be obedient and to be disciplined and to listen and so on and so forth. And of course, as a parent, that's not always the, the easiest thing, but I believe that coachability starts uh, in the family um, of how well you listen. And, and I also believe it's something about respect as well, is, is listening to people that are giving you the time, teachers, coaches, uh, these type of people that mold you uh, at a very young age. Um, you know, it's advice I give to parents is, is the earlier you can teach your child to be coachable and to, to, to listen well and to, to understand that the person in front of you is trying to help you, even if they don't agree with you, um, you're going to progress a lot, a lot further in life. I think it's a, a vital lesson at a young age. One of the interesting things, actually, some of our interview guests talk about is coachability being something that separates people with elite talent. 
you know, in, in fact, I've got this great uh, audio quote here from Rob Beveridge, who coached the uh, the world team youth team against Team USA, and it it really talks talks to this idea. So I really tried to to define the roles of the players to make them comfortable. And when they started to get a bit ratty, I'd bring them in and just reinforce to them, what's your strength? What are you great at? Because in particular, at the international NBA level, everybody knows if you're talented. <laughs> you know, they know that. They can see that you're six foot ten with a seven foot six wingspan and you're an athlete. They see that. They want to see the coachability. They want to see when I'm on the sideline, when I'm communicating to a player, is he actually listening to you or is he going off and doing his own thing? Is he becoming selfish? NBA scouts and NBA coaches and all that, that whole entire thing, when they're investing tens of millions of dollars into, into drafting players, they've got to get it right. And I'm, I'm wondering, Alistair, if you could share with us your experience on either working with or learning about someone whose coachability propelled their career. Yeah, um, you know, if you listen to the to the last uh, the last episode that we had, Paul, I spoke a lot about Kevin Anderson, um, the former world number five tennis player, reached two Grand Slam finals at the U.S. Open in 2017, lost to Rafa Nadal, and 2018 lost to Novak Djokovic in the Wimbledon final. Um, no shame in that, reaching two Grand Slam finals and losing to those absolute goats. Uh, that's another debate in sport as well as who is the goat? Is it Novak? Uh, Roger or Rafa. Um, I think the way Novak is going, I think he might pip them when it comes to Grand Slams. But, um, you know, Kevin was, and I say this respectfully, and he knows this as well. He, he, you know, I asked his permission to write about it as well, is that respectfully, he was one of the least talented uh, athletes I worked with, but he went the furthest in terms of ability. And like I said, being brilliant. Uh, at, at the things that require zero talent. He maximized himself so much every single day. Um, again, I, I, I don't want to go too much into it, but he was always inquisitive. Um, a coachable athlete is not just a good listener, but they ask a lot of questions as well. And I believe a coachable athlete is someone that, that you know, I like to say that looks, listens, asks, and learns. So a, a coachable athlete looks, they, they're very observant. Um, they look you in the eyes when, when, when you're talking. Uh, you know, they just want to get as much out of you as possible. Like Michael Jordan said, he was like a sponge, that he was obsessed in, in learning more. But they listen well. Um, they ask a lot of questions and, and they learn. That is, that's a coachable athlete. But Kevin was one of those. If I give you one more that maybe I didn't mention in the first episode was Graham Smith. Um, the South African cricket captain for, for a long time. Now, I, I worked with Graham when he was 17, 18. And before he was, of course, he was a good uh, young cricketer. You could see the potential. But already at that young age, he already had the leadership skills. Um, very mature for, for a 17, 18-year-old. And also he was, he was someone that would just, just take in a lot of information and ask a lot of questions. Uh, you know, there wasn't that... Um, ego or cockiness of you know they they're great at what they do they're a superstar at what they do so they don't really need to to know much um graham was someone that i knew that would go very very far in his career uh because of his ability to listen to learn to look to ask a lot of questions 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. In the book, Alistair, and actually even in this discussion today, you make the connection between welcoming feedback and being coachable. It's quite a quite a prevalent connection. Feedback is a challenging area for many of us. And I'm just wondering what tips you have for leaders on giving feedback that leads to improved coachability. Yeah. You know, the most important thing to, you know, it's it's one thing to give feedback, but is the person in front of you ready to receive that feedback? And I think timing is is a critical part in 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 in, in giving feedback, especially con- constructive criticism. I don't believe in negative uh, feedback. I believe in constructive criticism. But um, uh, you know, one of the big areas is trust, and and the person in front of you wants to know that you it's actually coming from the right place that you really care about them. Um, and those things take time, you know. So building up building up a relationship with somebody that the stronger that relationship is, the more they're going to be able to accept feedback and constructive criticism in, in, in a in a in a good way. Um, you know, Brendan Rogers, uh, you know, the former Liverpool Celtic. Uh, actually, he's back at Celtic now, but um, uh, Leicester uh, manager as well. You know, he said it's it's it becomes easier to give difficult feedback and have the tough conversations when you have a better relationship with with that person. And this is something you know uh, that, that Alex Ferguson was very good at as well. Of course, the Manchester United coach was you know when speaking to to Phil Neville. Um, you know, Phil said that he was just excellent at giving that that feedback because um, you knew it came from the right place. So that's important. Number one, um, I have this thing called PPTT, and this is you know this is not just for sports coaches and 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 uh, people involved in sports, but this is for for everybody. Is that you know PPTT stands for is this the right person uh, to give this feedback to? Is, is this the right place? Um, is this the right time? And to use the uh, use the right tone of voice, as we know, the tone of voice is very important. You can say the same uh, message in a different way uh, that can be that can be um, received in a different way as well. So um, I think that's very important. You know, I'm also a fan of you know praise in public and 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 criticize in private. You know, I never do that in front of other people as well. But um, you know, it it is one of the it is one of the skills great skills of really good coaches and really good leaders is they know how to give uh constructive uh criticism and feedback in the right way uh but it really does all you know really all comes down to to the timing and i believe the relationship you have with that person in front of you they want to know do you really care that is the question on every athlete employee 
uh, when you're having those conversations. Alistair, we interviewed the legendary All Black Sevens coach, Sir Gordon Titchens, and he talked a lot about character and coachability. In fact, I've got the audio grab here. I think that comes down to us and the onus is on a coach is you've got to have the right people. So you have to recruit well. It's about selecting the right people that are going to buy into the culture that you believe is going to be successful for your team. And I've always selected on character. And character is huge. Character and coachability work hand in hand. And that, to me, is vital. If someone wanted to start using coachability in their selection criteria at work, for example, or in their local sporting team, what kind of questions do you think they should be asking? Yeah, um, this is a really good question, and this this is this is something that actually it, it got me really thinking about it. And I came up with three things. I actually actually wrote them down, Paul. Um, the first thing I'd want to do is is as I want to know why you play, why you compete, why do you do what you do. I think that's one of the most important questions is to to find what motivation they have behind why they're playing. Um, you know, if you see the difference between an, an athlete that loves to Obviously, all athletes, most athletes love love to compete, of course, but athletes that also love to practice. That gives you a little bit of a background that they also love to learn. They love to get, they want to get better. A lot of athletes will say they just love to compete. They love to win. They love the feeling of it, for example. But a really coachable, teachable athlete is someone that also loves to practice. They love the process of, of you know, uh, getting to work every single day and, and, and getting better. So that's the first thing. Um, Another question I'd, I'd probably ask is, what has been your greatest learning moment um, in your career? And that's a question that, or, or that's an answer that can lead on to many other other um, questions for the coach or or the or the recruiter or the person that's asking the question is is what has been their most learnable moment? And you know you can elaborate on that as what did you learn about it? Um, what 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 actions did you take from it afterwards? So. A few of those things can give us a little bit of insight into um, what they were able to do with that information. Because it's one thing to be coachable, but it's also another thing to take action. Um, of of you know you can listen well, and you know like I said again, like I said, you can look, you can listen, you can ask questions, and you can learn. But you also have to take action uh, as well. And then the third thing was, um, and this is a very interesting question as well is. Who is someone you wouldn't learn from? So it's it's actually a quite a tough question to ask because, and I've used this question in in recruiting, is if the athlete was to say something, for example, is well, I wouldn't learn from anybody that hasn't reached the level I have, or I wouldn't learn from anybody that's um, uh, not played at a high level for someone that that sends up a little bit of a red flag to me because I believe you can learn from absolutely everybody um, of any age, of any level, of any skill level, for example. So um, those are those are probably three of the key questions that I would ask in, in terms of seeing somebody as coachable because, of course, we know uh, in an interview you can say all the right things. So that's why I said I really thought about that question and those are probably three questions I'd come up with. I'm going to ponder the answers to those questions straight after this, Alistair. They're, they're three cracking questions. I particularly love that second one. So fantastic, um, fantastic tool, I think, uh, for all of us to take forward. 
Alistair, you say, you also say in the book that to be coachable, you must not be afraid to try new things. So you make this link between learning, reflecting and innovating. I'm wondering if there's an example you can share um, that illustrates this idea. I think, um, I think here, you know, uh, chatting to Sarah Harini, Sarah Harini is, is, um, was a long time uh, New Zealand All Blacks uh, rug, rugby captain, I think sevens and fifteens as well. And Sarah is just a, a fantastic competitor. And um, if I can remember correctly, she's actually in a chapter in the book as well, where she talks about um, about a player not being afraid to make mistakes and a player that ex- and, and she used this word freedom. And you know, it, this has a lot to do with be- having a growth mindset as well as being as being coachable is, you know, when you have a growth mindset, you're not afraid to make mistakes. Well, everybody is afraid to make mistakes in, in, in some way, let's face it, especially under pressure, and especially when, you know, if you're playing in front of uh, a large audience, or, or as we've just had, for example, the, the Matildas playing in the World Cup, for example, that's the last place where you want to make make a mistake. But, you know, Sarah, Sarah was talking about the fact that the great players are are less afraid to make mistakes. They're they're willing to take certain risks, and they also play with a certain certain amount of freedom as well. And you know that comes from being coachable and having a growth mindset of not being afraid to make mistakes. You know, if I just have to think back, and and you'll love this example. Obviously, being Australia is one of the first real inspirations for me in rugby was David Campisi. And uh, obviously, growing up in South Africa, uh, you know he was the arch. The arch enemy, uh, you know, being the Australians and 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 the All Blacks with with the South Africans, for example. But you know, if you look at Campisi, you know, he had that goose step and he had all these things. You know, he was not afraid to take risks. He he would do some uh, some crazy things uh, on the field as well that he had pull off, and sometimes they wouldn't. But um, you know, I I can see a player like that being very very coachable, will, willing to learn new skills. Um, so yeah, that that that's that's what I would. That was, that's what I would definitely go there is that, you know, a growth mindset is is a massive part of being coachable. Well, I think this is a theme we hear from a lot of people that we interview too, this, this need to have a growth mindset as a coach, as you step out into the world and, you know, try to often accomplish, you know, very uncommon things. But yeah, I think if there's, if I could just, sorry, just elaborate on that, on that one, Paul is, um, I think there would be, I always, always love to do um self-reflection uh, uh and i encourage I encourage athletes and the people i worked with to to self-reflect after a, a practice session for example and i mentioned this in the book as well but you know if there was two things i would i would if you were to try and um assess your coachability if that's something that you really wanted to work on for example is you know one question after a practice would be would be the simple one of what did i learn today Okay, that's being coachable. What did you take out of today? And it's something that when I was coaching more, I'm not as coaching as much now, I'm, I'm more consulting. But when I was in front of the athlete or in front of the team, um, I'd always want to know after a practice session, what did you learn today? Because that would give me feedback as a coach, uh, what they were able to get from the lesson. Was it so before the lesson, I would obviously have one or two priorities or goals that I really wanted to get across in this in this session. So it was important feedback for me at the end of a session to know if they if they were able to to understand that and get what I was trying to get across. So that was important. So that gave me feedback in in my coaching ability. 
uh, as well. And then the second question is um, that you could ask yourself is how well was I engaged today? You know, you know. So the first one is what was the lesson, and the second is one was how how good was my attention? Uh, how was how good was my focus today? Because, you know, being coachable is about, and I'll say it again, is uh, looking, listening, asking, and learning. Um, how good was I I in those areas? Those are those are two questions uh, that you could self reflect on. Because I believe at the end of the day, um, self improvement begins with self reflection. It sounds like a great little scorecard you could make for yourself and just insert it in your journal and use that to reflect on how you've gone. Yeah. Maybe, Alistair, if I could ask one final question, if you could leave us with one final piece of advice on being coachable, what would it be? I would definitely say that, you know, being coachable is is a choice um, and it's not how good you are. It's really how good you want to be. I think that's the key thing. And, um, you know, with, Steph Curry, the the Warriors basketball player, Steve Kerr. When they asked Steve Kerr, is what what made you know Steph so good, or what makes Steph so good? Because obviously he's still playing. Is that you know he said that even though Steph might be the best player in the league right now, he just wants to keep keep on improving and getting better. And um, again, it's that that scholar mentality, that that curiosity, uh, you know, that hunger, uh, that that goal of coming to practice, and and not being not focusing on the monotony of, of another practice, but that, that hunger of, and that curiosity of what am I going to learn today? And, um, you know, those are the athletes that, that continue to get better. And, and, you know, you know, the Steph Curry's of this world, LeBron James, uh, all these incredible athletes, um, that that's, that's how they keep motivated is that they just want to keep getting better. Alistair, as always, you've taken us deep inside the mindset of some really elite performing people around the world. And thank you very much uh, for joining us again. The book's called Habits That Make a Champion. It's a terrific read. I'll put all the links to that and your your social media feed, which I'm a big fan of uh, in the show notes. And look forward to getting you back on soon to talk about another element of uh, elite performance. Paul, it's always an absolute pleasure. And, and again, really love listening to the podcast. So, uh, so keep up the great work. Thanks, Alistair. Hi, everyone. You have been listening to Alistair McCaw talk about being coachable and why it is so important when it comes to maximizing your potential. I hope you got a lot out of Alistair's style. He's got great stories. And I hope that you found a few of those that you can take back to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. The interaction with the people around the world who listen gives us great energy and keeps us going. All the details on how you can connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>